From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. The 2022 legislative session was destined to be one filled with controversy and base-pleasing stunts heading into a crucial primary election year for all 236 lawmakers and the governor. In his State of the State address, Governor Brian Kemp outlined his biggest priorities like teacher pay raises, so-called constitutional carry for gun owners, and controversial red meat education changes. I also look forward to working with the House and the Senate to pass and sign a parental bill of rights in our education system and other pieces of legislation that I strongly support to ensure fairness in school sports and address obscene materials online and in our school libraries. Facing a challenge from Trump-backed former Senator David Perdue, Kemp successfully checked off a wish list that burnishes his conservative credentials and gives Democrats plenty of bills to mobilize their own voters in opposition. Lawmakers also unanimously approved a mental health reform bill, showing there are some issues that transcend party politics. Today, hope won. Countless Georgians will know that we have heard their despair and frustration. This week, GPB's public policy reporter Riley Bunch joins me to break down what passed and what's been passed over now that the legislature is done. DBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. The majority leader has moved, and the chair hereby declares the 2022 session of the Georgia House adjourned. Sign it The clock struck a little after midnight on Signy Die, the final day of Georgia's 40 working day legislative session, and frankly, most people were a little stunned. In the final minutes, first the House, then the Senate, approved a bill that would ban so-called divisive concepts surrounding race from being taught in Georgia schools with one amendment many lawmakers had never laid eyes on. What purpose does Representative Wilson rise? State your inquiry. Mr. Speaker, is it not true that we should be clear about what we're voting on in this bill, that the bill sponsored failed to mention that this bill now adds the transgender sports ban uh, it's starting at line 70. Riley, we were both in the Capitol as this drama unfolded. Set the stage for people. What exactly happened with this bill in those last hours of session? Well, Governor Kemp stepped up to the podium in the House and the Senate chambers around 8 p.m. after going on GPB lawmakers. He listed some of his achievements, like a gas tax suspension. Then he went on to say he wasn't quite finished and had a few more things to cross off his wish list before they all headed home. But as always say, we must never rest on our laurels. And we've got a little bit of work left to do this evening. Specifically, as the evening progresses, I'm looking forward to continuing the critically important conversation on the best ways to achieve an income tax cut for hardworking Georgians, on fairness in school sports, divisive concepts, and I know you've got to pass that historic 23 budget, Chairman England. 
The budget is the only thing by law the General Assembly has to pass, and they did, including pay raises for teachers and state employees. In addition to the $1 billion tax refund because of the surpluses, lawmakers also voted to overhaul the state's tax rate to a flat 4.99% by the end of the decade. That also increases exemptions to help lower-income taxpayers. And then, of course, there's divisive concepts and transgender girls in high school sports. So if Governor Kemp signs the divisive concepts bill, which he seems likely to do, the law would ban the teaching of nine specific concepts, including, quote, one race is inherently superior to another race and, quote, the United States is fundamentally racist. Riley, is this a law without a problem, as they say? The fact of the matter is critical race theory is not taught in any Georgia K-12 schools. It's not in any curriculum. But the problem is this bill creates a vague list of concepts that teachers have to stay away from that they say makes them question what they can and can't discuss in their classrooms. The other last-minute amendment also paves the way for high school athletic associations to have an oversight committee that could decide if and how transgender girls can compete in sports. So did the legislature essentially pass the buck to the GHSA? Lawmakers did end up giving the decision on transgender athlete policies back to schools and school districts through this process under GHSA. By doing so, GOP lawmakers who push for this legislation can say they acted, but in the end, they aren't involved. It's also important to note that there isn't any evidence so far that transgender girls are competing in girls' high school sports in Georgia. Democrats in the legislature were unhappy, to say the least. And is it not further true that parents of trans children carry an extra burden because they know the risks for their own children for this, this simple ask are higher than for the rest of our community? Parliamentary inquiry. inquiry. Is it not true that it is a shame that this bill only targets uh, transition from male to female and is inconsistent with the GOP's obsession with children who are going through medical transitions and deserve access to sports. Is it not true that I am ashamed of this house? Isn't it true that if I heard it once, if I heard it twice, if I heard it five times, if I heard it ten times, that parents know what is best for their kids in this house and that they should be able to make the choice of how they want their children to participate in school and what they want them to do in school and that this bill, this amendment, flies directly in the face of that statement that we have heard time and time again. Isn't that true? In fact, once it quickly moved over to the state Senate, lawmakers hadn't even seen the amendment and tried to get it printed out. Chair recognizes the uh, senator, for the minority leader. Move the print, Mr. President, 1084, House Bill 1084. State that one more time, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Move to print, House Bill 1084. But hours earlier, a stricter bill explicitly disallowing transgender boys and girls from playing in sports teams matching their gender identity passed the Senate and failed to come up in the House. So the language that did pass is a watered-down attempt at pleasing the conservative base. There was also a relatively watered-down election bill that passed after we saw several proposals jammed into a 40-page omnibus. Stephen, what happened there? Well, local elections officials are what happened. The only change in election law headed to the governor's desk would allow the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to directly investigate claims of election law violation. Previously, they'd have to be invited by the Secretary of State or Attorney General's office to investigate. 
Now, practically speaking, they'll likely forward any requests or complaints to the state election board, which already handles complaints and has sworn law enforcement officers dedicated to investigating those violations. And because Georgia has a checkered history with voter intimidation and voting rights, many people argued extra enforcement by the GBI was unnecessary and potentially harmful. How a 40-page voting bill was whittled down to two pages, then all but disappeared, is likely thanks to local elections officials, mostly Republicans and those representing Republican areas, who testified about how many of the proposed changes were redundant, unnecessary, and would make it harder to do their jobs. So in the final hours, instead of stripping out those things and keeping other more positive changes, like flexibility with the number of voting machines on Election Day and easing election night reporting requirements, they decided to do the opposite of 2021's 98-page bill and just make one solid change. Now, the legislative session wasn't all partisan bickering. There were some things to smile about. I mean, Georgia sports teams made a cameo, right, Riley? There were definitely a few bright spots, like the opportunity to pose for photos with both the Major League Baseball World Series and College Football National Championship trophies. And there was also a 76-page bill that unanimously passed with bipartisan support, the Mental Health Parity Act. Georgia's ranked among the last in the country in treatment and access to mental health care. And hailed as the most significant legislation passed this session, House Bill 1013 is a substantial mental health reform package that aims to create parity across treatment and insurance coverage and backs up federal law requiring insurance companies to cover mental health in the same way that they cover other medical care. The Mental Health Parity Act was championed by House Speaker David Ralston, who has called mental health treatment in Georgia inadequate. In fact, Georgia ranks near the bottom in coverage. The final bill not only requires insurance providers to cover mental health on par with physical conditions, it also aims to increase the number of mental health professionals across the state. Because of the dedication of so many, countless Georgians now have reason to believe the future is bright with the promise of hope. This journey was made possible by the belief of so many from all walks of life who brought different life experiences and perspectives, but were united on one core principle. Failure was not an option and the status quo had to go. Kemp signed the bill flanked by Democrats, Republicans, and advocates during a massive ceremony on the final day of session. This ultimate outcome was exactly what we had hoped for. In the years since, elected officials, advocates, industry experts, and caring mothers and fathers have met and worked hard on what ultimately became this piece of legislation. Along with House Bill 1013, legislators unanimously passed Senate Bill 403, which creates a statewide framework for mental health professionals to act as co-responders with law enforcement officers on crisis calls. Today we reaffirm to those families and individuals that they matter, that they are cared for, and that their fellow Georgians will not turn a blind eye to their struggles any longer. Today we take the next step, a monumental step, toward a Georgia where every person receives the help they need to fight and overcome whatever personal trials that they may face. Today, we make sure 
that they do not fight alone. And Riley, what were some of the big ticket items that did not pass by the end of session? Well, to the dismay of advocates, lawmakers could not reach an agreement on the state's medical marijuana licensing issues. A constitutional amendment on sports betting also didn't gain traction, and neither did a controversial measure that would ban the mailing of abortion-inducing drugs without seeing an in-person medical provider. Okay, final lightning round. Parental Bill of Rights. House Bill 1178 codifies a process for parents to request and review lesson plans from their child's teachers. Parents would have the right to review all classroom materials, opt their child out of sex education, too. COVID-related legislation. Two bills. The Unmasked Georgia Students Act, already signed into law, gives parents the ability to opt their child out of school district mask policies, something most Georgia schools don't have anymore. There's also a bill that bans so-called vaccine passports, preventing any state agency, government, or school from requiring the COVID-19 vaccine. This doesn't apply to hospitals or medical facilities. Notable retirements. Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan is not running again after one term. He's become a prominent critic of former President Donald Trump and the direction of the party after the 2020 election. During his farewell speech, Duncan continued to urge lawmakers to, quote, put policy over politics. He described how his family endured the unrelenting attacks against him by the former president and his supporters. House Appropriations Chairman Terry England, who's guided the state's multi-billion dollar budget through good times and bad, is also retiring. And Dean of the House, Columbus Rep. Calvin Smyrie, had an emotional send-off after 48 years in the legislature, complete with a portrait that will hang in the Capitol. He's leaving to become the U.S. Ambassador to the Dominican Republic. For the past 48 years, I have worn this name badge as a badge of honor. Over the years, I've had many, many leadership positions and titles, but being called Dean of this house, while it is the least of power, it is the one I admired the most. And one more thing, Riley. You just went to a gun range to cover the governor's signing of a so-called constitutional carry bill. What changes does that make? It's one of Kemp's top legislative priorities, a measure that would allow Georgians to carry a concealed handgun in public without first obtaining a weapons carry license. Senate Bill 319 allows individuals who are already legally able to have a firearm to carry their weapon in public without first going through the licensing process. Supporters say it does away with extra paperwork for lawful gun owners, but critics say it would allow people to slip through the cracks when gun violence is at a high level. I did an analysis of weapons carry permit data from recent years and found almost every Georgia county had at least a 90 percent approval rating for applications. Thanks, Riley. So as you can see, it's been an eventful legislative session that will have an impact beyond these 40 working legislative days, an unprecedented budget with pay raises and tax savings, further oversight and restrictions on education, and discussion of race in the classroom and more will influence the lives of 10 million Georgians and a handful of politicians facing primary challenges this May. Battleground Ballot Box from Georgia Public Broadcasting is produced by me, Stephen Fowler. Our editor is Josephine Bennett. Our engineers are Jake Cook and Jesse Neiswanger, who also wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.